0: That's QUINCE.com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? <laughs>
0: So, I need to tell you all about something. Um, I love this product, Bark Box. My dog, a couple days ago, got into my closet in a closed bag and took out two giant chocolate Easter bunnies and ate them. And opened the bag, opened the box. I talk a lot about Ruthie being not the most well behaved chocolate lab on the planet. But I will say this she's okay took her like called uh, the poison control. I thought she was going to die. It was terrifying. But the point of this is I subscribe and um, I'm also telling my listeners to think about using BarkBox. Their treats are all organic. They come, it's a monthly shipment. They come with these really great toys. Ruthie cannot have enough toys and enough distractions from food and getting into like the Easter candy that's going to be out um, the best thing about Barkbox is it comes, it's a monthly shipment. I get it every month. they both my dogs, Rosie and Ruthie, are thrilled when I open up the package. And my listeners, if you go to Barkbox.com forward slash judging Megan, if you do a six-month subscription or a one-year subscription, you get one month free. So again, if you have a problematic nightmare dog like I do, who I love to pieces, but she's hard. Check out BarkBox, barkbox.com forward slash Megan for your discount. And I am going to start the show. Well, hello, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I need to tell you about um about my I've talked about this before. I am not a good driver. I just Like, I know that I'm not. And it's like when you realize and you have a realization that you're not good at something, I find that it's better just to admit it. My husband openly talks about what a bad driver I am. I drive like a granny. Um, but what I always am impressed by, oh, also I'm one of those people when you park, like I'm the person that probably parks over the line. So everyone hates me. So if, you're, if you've are if you ever been in a parking lot, me and left me a mean note, I forgive you because I understand. I don't understand how to park. I don't understand the backup camera. I don't use it. I know it's there and I have it, but I still look over my shoulder because I'm so paranoid. But what I really want to point out is the people that can park their cars like back up and then park the car. So the, the front of their car is forward in a tight spot. I don't know. Like, how did this, how did they do this? It is a magical gift. I feel like I need to go back to um, see Mr. Vidal, who was my driving instructor when I was 16 and I failed the test three times and I finally got my license at 17. Um, Maybe I need to check back in and try to figure out how to be a better parker and a better driver, but I am going to start the show and introduce my guest. Well, hello, Victoria. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Megan. That was so weird the way I just said, Well, hello, Victoria. How are you? <laughs> so I, I am fortunate enough to have Victoria Cure. Is that correct? That is correct. It's, well it's, done. It's like a cool kind of French. Is it a French last name? Italian. Oh, it's Italian. Interesting. You're one of my people. Huh. That's an interesting last name. Anyways, I am thrilled to have you on. I'm also thrilled that I pronounced your name correctly. Um, welcome, Victoria. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Megan. Can I ask you a question before we get serious? Are you a good driver? Absolutely.
2: I'm an excellent driver. So that's why I was laughing when you were saying that, because I've actually had professional driving <laughs> You have maybe you should, maybe you
0: should teach me because I'm just. Do you know how to park a car where you can park the car? Am I confusing my listeners? Where you turn it around and you're you're in a. Oh, you know how to do that?
2: I back in everywhere I go. Oh my god! Everywhere
0: you are a miracle worker. I I can't do that, and I'm <laughs> always so jealous. And I'm
2: going to you- tell you, Megan. I do it one handed because my left hand is paralyzed. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, honestly, I think I'm ending the show right now. I don't think that's fair. That's amazing. You can drive with you can do that with one hand,
2: no matter the vehicle.
0: I mean, let's just start bragging just right away, Victoria. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. Now I feel even worse about my driving skills. Anyways, I am honored to have you on. Um, I we're going to be talking about your life and some serious stuff. I always ta- I always start my episodes. usually making fun of myself because I'm such a bad driver and an idiot. But um, I just, I I like to break it up. So it's not, you know, we all need to laugh and you've been through it. And so have I. And I think the best thing that we can do in life is not take things so seriously when you're, especially you being a survivor. So I, I think it's good to kind of like have laughter and break things up and also admit that when you're not good at something to be able to admit it. Correct.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why everything I do for, you know, my company and everything else is a contagious smile. You have to laugh. Yeah. I love laugh. it. And,
0: and I love the name of your company. Okay. So let's, we're going to talk about that later, but I want to start with where you're from. Like, let's talk a little bit about where you grew up, happy childhood. Let's start there.
2: Uh, I was blessed to have the most amazing grandparents and uh, they were phenomenal. My, I call them my egg and sperm donor. Um, because I, I, I decided Megan that I was never going to be the parent to my child slash children that they were or weren't to me. Um, I grew up with that old fashioned mentality of my grandparents of, you know, that old school. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Thank you. Like to this day, my daughter will hold the door open for someone older, you know, have a nice day. And they're like, who raised you? You know, cause in today's time, you don't get that. Um, my relationship with my family I don't have one. Um, my parents, the egg and sperm donor, my opinion My opinion is um, they show all the signs of a narcissist. Um, I was no question the scapegoat, the the black sheep of the family. Uh, My brother, from all signs, go and appear to be the uh, golden child. And um, after years and years of therapy, I've learned that due to what I was raised in and around, it put me right into the hands of an abuser.
0: Wow, that's a lot. I am very sorry to hear that. So let do, do you wanna just talk about, do you, you have no relationship with your, with your parents, but your, your grandparents, are they still around? Or, they, I mean, they raised you from a young age, I'm assuming.
2: Um, they did, even from afar, I spent time with them, um, weekends, summers, I talked to them all the time. They lived in the same area of town that we did. But I also stayed, you know, with my biological parents as well. But I always took into consideration everything my grandparents did. Like, that's how I incorporated who and how I was. And I couldn't have been more different than anybody in my family. And I remember asking my grandmother once why my dad was so different. Because he was nothing like her. And she said to me, well, your mom ruined him. And I didn't understand that. I was like, what? I didn't get it. And, and it, I didn't understand it, Megan, until I was with my ex that was abusive because mm-hmm. he ruined me. He changed me. And then I understood. So that, that's really, you know, and I said to her after she said that, I was like, but how could that be? Because you're so different than he is. And she said, well, you're so different than they are. And then I kind of understood a little bit.
0: So was there there abuse in your house, like from your
2: parents at a young age? Not physical, Mm -hmm. physical. but I mean, I've longed for, I've never had a good relationship with my mom. I've, I've never been enough. I've never, no matter what, I've never been enough. Um, I've been no contact with them for a while. And funny you bring that up because I got an email from them not even a week ago, um, they have a very large home and I was always that my biological father held that over my head, the inheritance and all of that. And I walked away from all of it and Mm. that's okay. Um, They had a lot of my stuff in storage and I haven't spoken to them in a while. And they sent me an email and said, you have less than one week to get it or we'll dispose of it. And then signed their whole name to the email. I don't know who they are. And
0: Oh my gosh.
2: It, and it was just, you know, and they disown not only me but my daughter. You know, that it's like okay. And the reason why I went back to to Megan, I, I asked last year for my Christmas stuff so I could decorate my home. Um, and when we got there, it was all outside. Like I felt like a like a Sanford and Son kind of situation, you know. And she came out there, and I had decided I made a very hard choice to. Come clean with her and tell her things that she had no idea about, um, and I couldn't tell her before that her husband had used my daughter and I as an escape for him seeing other women, and I had proof. I had proof of it. Like I'm, I'm someone who's very big about evidence, very big about you have to have it like in your hand. It's got to be right here. And so I came in with probably this much stuff, and we weren't even allowed in the house. We had mm-hmm. to stay outside. Um, and I started showing her and I was like, here, here. And I was like, you remember when my daughter and I took a trip, he went with us while a girl showed up and I I like, I
0: like, can't even imagine. I mean, I, I know we skipped ahead to like present day, but like these scars and these wounds of childhood, you t- you carry them with you. And then it does make a lot of sense that into adulthood, you, you, you then met somebody that was abusive because emotional abuse, in my opinion, yeah, it's, it's different than physical abuse, um, but emotional abuse stays with you. And I think it a feel. if you're a child and you're going through this, um, right. it's just, it, it, it will always stay with you. So, where, can I also ask you? Because I I forgot to ask, what part of the country are you in? Where are you located?
2: Um, I'm down south. Near Florida. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay, we can't. we're I I just remembered, we can't really talk about that because we're going to go into why. Right. But okay, so let's talk about how, like your your later. I can't speak right now. Later years, like how you met your ex. Um, let's go into that if you're okay with that.
2: Sure. Um, if you would mind, just let me say one thing, a bruise heals. It absolutely doesn't make it okay to have one. Um, mm-hmm. nobody has the right to put their hands on anyone in an unaccepted, unwarranted way. I have had the honor of working with so many beautiful people advocating for what they have, advocating for what they need, not just special needs families, but survivors of any sort of abuse, just I focus really on domestic violence, but it is, you're absolutely a thousand percent correct. I say a bruise heals, but the injury is still there. Like I always say, you can't have surgery for something that's not broken. And I've had over a hundred surgeries to correct what what happened to me. And none of them were cosmetic. It's not like I got to go and do anything I would have elected. But the word stayed with you. So I've always had that mentality when I've taught my daughter that when you're mad, take a step back for a minute and think about it, because those are words you'll remember six months, six years, sixteen years down the road. So remember that. And she she says, I get it, because I have never said anything to her I regret in anger or in spite of the moment, because I know what that feels like and I'm still carrying it. So I totally understand. But I know we changed subjects really quick and
0: I just wanted no, to No, and I'm sorry to jump ahead. I just, you know, like I, I I always like to re- reiterate those things because in my own life, I was affected by emotional abuse um, and y- you can run away from it. But then like all of a sudden one day, like a memory will pop into your head or something that happened. And I have a dear friend that's going through um, a really hard thing right now, which I talked to you offline about just, um, you know, a divorce and, domestic violence and we talk about the fact that the you know sometimes she's like I would rather have had somebody hit me rather than say certain things you know like I don't know which one was harder cuz the bruises disappear but the words always stick with you you know right right so let's let's shift a little bit and kind of talk about like you know your your childhood kind of groomed you to meet some, this, can I call him a monster? I don't even know about him yet. Okay. To meet this monster. And Mm -hmm. let's kind of, let's kind of go into how you met him.
2: I was with the love of my life for four years prior to him. We broke up. I was devastated. I had never been heartbroken before. And then first and only time again my life, I rebounded met this monster. Um, you know, I, I think someone with a great inside, a great soul, great personality will make someone who's physically unattractive, just absolutely handsome as, as I'll get out. I was never physically attracted to this individual, um, but he was incredibly charismatic, incredibly charming, which is just the norm for that type of individual. Um, it just really, he opened up and found out what I was missing in my life. I was really successful in my career. I had my own place. I had a nice vehicle. I had great friends. What was I missing? He found it and just played on it. And next thing you know, I'm like in Mach 1 with him going, hey, we're going way too fast. You know, we need to kind of slow down. Um, and it was, he had me like the trophy for the first little bit. Like, bragging about me all the time and and just so much like the biggest cheerleader but then it just we need to get married and I'm like no no this is way too quick um and then he ended up proposing and I just felt like I was in a whirlwind like this just came out of nowhere and um I didn't even live with him until we were married because I had an apartment and my job and you know, we were and then literally we get married and after we got married, it was a very short period of time before we got pregnant. And it was once I was pregnant, that's when the abuse started.
0: So let me just say one thing. This is so common, which I know you know, um, this, the love bombing stage, right? Every, mm-hmm. every survivor of domestic violence or um, emotional, any kind of abuse that I have met that is, has been love bombed. This happened with my therapist, Dr. Nadine Macaluso. Who they based the movie "The Wolf of Wall Street" about um, her life with Jordan Balfour. So she's the re- she's the um, she's the real person that Mar- Margot Robbie portrayed in the movie, and oh, wow. she was Jordan love bombed her, and it was the same very similar situation, very similar situation to my dear friend, where it's. Um, you know, presence, like we need to get married. We need to be together. You're wonderful. You're this, you're that. So if I have young listeners and I'm sure we'll go into this, cause you know so much about it that are listening, like f- listen to your, your insights. And I know that it happened actually with my mom as well, because my mom, when she met, when my dad passed away and she met my step father, who's passed, um, same thing, love bombing, like trips. He had a plane, he would fly her places. He would take her out to like, do really extraordinary things that, you know, most people wouldn't be able to do. It was very quick, very much. So like, we need to get married. We need to do this. So I just wanted to point, I didn't mean to talk over you, but I wanted to point that out because it's such a common thread and such a common, um, a story that I've heard in, um, of survivors of abuse. So you finish what you were saying.
2: Well, he, he literally, it just went into, you know, we got to hurt and get married and this. And I said, I think we're going way too fast. I just ended a four year relationship. And he, he goes, well, you know, we've been without each other our whole life and, you know, you haven't been treated the way you deserve to be treated long enough. And I want to fix that right now. And you know, I know that you're kind of old school and you want to have a family and you want to be married first. And, you know, and, and I, I was just, every time I honestly Megan started thinking I need to, like, step back and run because I felt like I had that gut feeling. It was he pulled some kind of story somewhere from within to make me feel guilty. Like, oh, well, you know, when I was he was military and he said, oh, when I was deployed, this happened and I wasn't there to see X, Y, Z. And then I felt like I'm such a schmuck because here I am thinking, I maybe I'm just not completely over what happened with my ex, you know. And this guy who seems to be a saint is going through all this and just trying to make me feel like a princess. And I'm just like, eh, nope, gotta go, you know. And, and he just kept drawing me back in and drawing me back in. And he's like, you just haven't been treated the way you deserve long enough. And I want to fix that. You know, I want to make it right. And I want to give you the life you deserve. And, and it wasn't monetary at all. It was the attention, the, you know, I want us to have a family. I'm so big about kids and things of that nature is what lured me in. And like I said, there were at least three different times that I was just, and then it was always just that story of something that happened that was so catastrophic that just pulled at me and made me feel like, I'm so rude and mean to be like why am I not giving him a chance when he didn't do anything. He hasn't done anything wrong.
0: And he well, would so right were groomed, like we talked about already to be like this is what I want. I've never had this before. So it was as if it sounds to me like he knew exactly what he was doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So once, so yes. once you got married and you got pregnant very quickly, you said the he it completely shifted and the abuse began. Can you tell me about that?
2: It completely shifted. Um, he started just very slight at first, where you're kind of like, oh. you know, and then oh, I'm sorry, I, I, babe, I had a hard day at work. I'm I i do not know where that came from. I'm sorry, and, oh. and he he knew my background. Um, I have several different degrees in martial arts, which I really believe helped save me. Truly, um, to divert for just a second, the one thing my sensei taught me was: you only um, self-defense. It's you de-escalate the situation, you get away from the situation. You never throw the first punch. You never throw the first kick. It's only to survive and get away, and that's it. And that you know, you do a lot of sparring. You you learn your katas and things of that nature. So. That was my mentality. Um, I would never hit somebody first. It's just not how you're you're taught when you're going through your your martial art training. And he knew that. Well, he the first time he was arguing about something, and he took his cell phone and he threw it and it hit me in the face. And then he came over and hit me in the face right after he hit person. And I was like, I know that didn't just happen. And the first time, honestly, Megan, I was more shocked. Were you pregnant at this time? Yes.
0: Oh, you were pregnant. That's lovely.
2: And I literally was just, that didn't just happen. Like, I know that didn't just happen. Maybe I'm really tired. This is the pregnancy thing. You know, I just, he didn't just do that. No way. And I was in complete denial. And then it happened again, you know, and again, and it got worse. And it started to really get bad. And then to show me what he would do if I ever left, he shot and killed our dog.
0: Oh, my God. When I realized. Is this all when you were
2: pregnant or had you had the. Yes, it was, everything happened during the duration of the pregnancy. Everything.
0: Which is insane. I, yes. I, oh, God. Okay. So he. So he. Tra- he physically killed your dog, in he shot dog.
2: He shot my dog. Oh, my God. Wow. And. So, literally, I just was mortified and petrified at the same time. He had begun isolating me. He got rid of my cell phone and made me have one he got me so he could check it at all times, who I was calling, who I was texting. Um, He would check it every day. Uh, I would have to go to my office and call him because I had caller ID, you know, all cell phones. And so he would check and make sure I was in my office. That's where I was. I was supposed to be where I was supposed to be. Um, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere my ex could have been, anywhere at all. My ex was an officer, and you just couldn't go anywhere that would be where he would be. They actually met, and the monster, we'll call him, hated my ex-boyfriend. Absolutely, just with a passion hated him, which was kind of, you know, interesting. I don't know, he never would tell me why he had such hatred for him, but there was absolute hatred between them.
0: What well, was also probably, did they know each other prior to you being yes. together? Okay. So it was jealousy, I'm sure. And I, who knows what?
2: So well, I, told, I told the monster that that was the love of my life and, you know, and I was heartbroken and, and he knew that. And so, I mean, I'm sure there was some kind of, you're right. Kind of a jealousy thing. And so,
0: so was so this ab- physical abuse and all of this was going on within the nine months of you being pregnant. Was did it once you gave birth, did it get better or what happened then?
2: I wasn't around for him then.
0: I had left. Oh, you left. Okay, good. So, tell tell me about that. How did you um, get the courage? And and I know that this is something that I, just knowing and having a friend that's gone through something where you're in, a lot of it's like in denial, blaming yourself, like talk about that. Can you tell my audience about that?
2: Absolutely. And if you would give me just an ounce more of leeway, um, I, it went from slapping and like, I I have to say, I don't care if it's one slap, one kick, one punch, it's too many. You Mm -hmm. don't put your hands on a person, period. I don't care. So it went from that slap in the face to dinner's late. I got a broken nose. Um, I didn't put enough, whatever. So I got a dislocated shoulder, the abuse escalated. And so I went and just learned I was going to be fighting for my life. It was not going to be a simple task. And he said to me that he would take away our child. I would never see our child. And then I realized that I'm really, I'm in trouble. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, so he watched every single move I made. And like you and I said off recording, I own what I do. I own what I did. I did tell him that he was seeing other women on me. And I said it was okay. Now, Megan, people will look at me, and I have heard it so many times. Victoria, why would you let him see other women? Well, for many reasons, basically, because if he's not home, he's not beating me. He's not hurting my unborn child. And he's always in that courting love bombing phase with others when he's dating. So I know he's not hurting anybody else. And I don't mean any disrespect to any other woman, but at that point I only cared about myself and my daughter. Yeah. But so I absolutely. You
0: were were in, you were in survival mode,
2: right? It was fight or flight. And so I said, I absolutely just go. You can go see whoever you want because then he wasn't coming home, raping me. And we only had consensual sex a couple of times. And then literally he wanted it. He would do what he had to do to get it. Um, he both he broke the bone in my neck, strangling me, suffocating me. I was stabbed over a dozen times. If you look, I have hearing aids because he ruptured my eardrum so badly that I've become deaf. Um, if you look here on both sides of my face um, and all behind my ear, I've had to have complete bilateral mandala, mandala, uh, mandala and mandibular. Uh, jaw replacement so all of this is metal in my face all of it um, I've had over 100 surgeries now in fairness there wouldn't have had to be so many surgeries if I had done them in a timely manner but my daughter was first and so I had told the doctors that unless it's life threatening the injuries are going to have to wait because she's first and so the injuries got worse and worse because I didn't get them fixed at the time and I admit that, that that's on me but she, um, she came early. We were in the ICU. He One night, one of the worst of all worst, he, he literally, Megan, beat me to death's door. I mean, I was bleeding out of places a woman shouldn't even know you could bleed from. And he, he straddled over me. Um, and, and people ask me, well, why didn't you leave? You have this training. It's the training that saved my life. That and my daughter. Because he would wake me up in the middle of the night straddled over me beating me in the face to go get him water because he was thirsty
0: what a monster like what let me ask you this like there's always a history well I don't necessarily believe this people just can come out bad (laughs) like they can't there might like there's people that just are born bad and they come out bad but did he have a history of violence or or domestic abuse with other partners prior to you, do you know anything about his history?
2: At that point, I did not know.
0: Okay. But I do know now. I okay. Do know now. Okay. Um, di- so you w- these times that he was beating you, like to get you a cup of water or whatever.
2: Get him water.
0: To get him water. That's what I meant. Is what was like, what goes through your head? Like, protect my baby? Like, were, were you hitting back at that point with your um, martial um, arts background? Like, what did you
2: how did you deal with this? How did you do it? I made a deal with the devil. I own it. I did it. I told him that as long as he wouldn't hit my stomach, I wouldn't fight him back. Because he was going to fight me no matter what I did. When you're waking up, and that happens, you know, that's not going to be a fight at that moment, you're going to be able to win. If I went, for instance, to go get dinner and I wasn't home in a a timely manner, he'd call the restaurant and say, I'm just checking on my pregnant wife. Has she picked it up yet? Because she's not home. And then he would go and try and find me why I hadn't come home yet. There was a time I had to go get gas. Well, I should have gotten that earlier. And I didn't call and tell him I had to stop and get gas. And so I got beaten because I wasn't back when I said I would be back. So... I knew that I was going to have to have my ducks in a row in order to get out and stay out. It was just going to, that, that's all it was going to be. And so I said, as long as you do not hit my stomach, I won't fight you back while you know, while I'm pregnant. Now, at, at not being pregnant, that would have been a different story. I would have never hit him first. But he admitted in court later on, he would have never, ever, ever hit me if I wasn't pregnant because he knew A, I wouldn't stay, and B, I wouldn't tolerate it, and I would have defended myself.
0: I mean, it's not often for my listeners that are know me. I'm very rarely speechless. I I mean the heart, the horror. This story is just heartbreaking, and I am so like I wish I could physically hug you because for another,
2: I can use it.
0: Yeah, for another human being. To go through something like this, I just I I'm, I don't know what to say. I really don't. It's so so awful, and I think that people have a hard time understanding it unless they have gone through something like this, and uh, it's just awful. So, tell me about once you finally got into the ICU and you were you were giving birth. Unless I you left something out that you wanted to say,
2: there was so many more attacks in between and the mm-hmm. last night he stood over and he, and he beat me he actually kicked me across the room and then took my head um so i, so I, I still still never easy to talk about even at all time. He, the fireplace was like the floor part of the fireplace was brick and he was taking my head and he was shoving it into the bricks and i was coming in and out of consciousness and and I literally wanted to die. I just wanted to give up. I, I didn't want to do it anymore. And then I would feel my daughter kicking like I'm here. Don't give up on me. I'm here too. And then I felt horrible because I just was like being selfish. I don't want to do this anymore. And so there was blood everywhere. And he got my keys. We weren't allowed to have a home phone. He he wouldn't let me have a home phone. took my keys, took my cell phone, and he left me on the floor bleeding everywhere. And... I thought that's it. I'm done. This is it. And so he left and I started to try to stand up. I couldn't, I fell, I couldn't walk on my leg and I knew that everything in my face was broken again. I knew it. And so I ended up going into the ICU. He was livid that I messed up his schedule because I had to get back in the hospital. That was just, he was furious. Um, and they told me I had about a 2% chance of surviving. That's about the best they could give me. And I said, well, it's better than one. And they said, well, your jaw's dislocated, your shoulder's dislocated, your nose is broken, this and this and this. And they said, well, we're going to set those. But there had been so much damage, Megan, that there was so much scar tissue that they wouldn't stay in place. Did they
0: the doctors, like they must have known that you were abused. What did what was what were you? He hit me in front of my doctors. He what?
2: He hit me, He hit me in front of my doctors, and the doctors have made sworn statements, sworn affidavits, took pictures, everything, but he was active military and I was seeing civilian physicians. And I continually went to his command asking for assistance and safety, and I was turned away, which is very common in the military. A lot of people don't realize it, but it is very common. I had no idea.
0: I had no yes. idea. That's terrifying. So, this is it, something that is common. And you, if you report it, they just
2: they nothing support happened. the soldier. They support the soldier.
0: Wow. I mean, so this, his
2: command came in, and I, like I said, I own it. I screamed. I mean, imagine. God forbid, imagine being in the ICU. You have 2% chance of survival and in walks. These people that you kept saying, he's going to kill me. And they came in and I said, I told you this is your fault that I'm here. My jaw's over here. Um, I'm yelling. And I'm like, this is all your fault. Get the blankety blanket out of the room. Yes, I did. I screamed and yelled. Who wouldn't? I mean, what am yeah. I going to do? I'm going to come in for cookies and milk, you know? And I screamed, told them to get out. I have wonderful nurses. They, told him to get out they had said let's go you're out of here you're not staying you're upsetting her um, they asked him to leave and he threatened to you know pitch a fit as always and I ended up um, in the ICU for weeks and they told me that you know it was going to be a fight I was throwing up stomach lining and I was just it was all you know green I'd be hot one minute cold the next so then I went into preterm labor they tried to stop the contractions they were doing um, I had a blood clot from How Bad He Beat Me. So they started doing heparin and Lobinox alternate injections because you can't do committed when you're pregnant because it's basically rat poisoning. And I couldn't do the filter because they go through your groin for a filter insertion. So being pregnant, you can't do that. So I literally, they were like, you can't move. You're not going to get out of the bed. You're going to have to you know, put a catheter in, duh, duh, duh. And so I was petrified. And, you know, what happens if I die? He's going to get my child, you know. And so I wrote a letter and it just, you know, to my parents um, who hadn't seen me pregnant. um, And I wrote a letter to my daughter in case I never got to meet her. And then finally they came in and said, we don't have a choice. We're going to have to do an emergency C-section. How many weeks were you?
0: How many work weeks were you at that point? Thirty, thirty
2: four.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: And we both coded during the delivery. And I had told my my doctor beforehand, and she was just amazingly, that if something happened to her, that she no longer had medical consent to treat me and to let me go with my daughter and let us be together. Like, I just, I didn't want to be here without my daughter. And that was never his kid. That's all my child. That's my kid yeah and so we we both coded and um when i came back and i was in recovery i heard a helicopter and i didn't know what it was and i kept saying how is she where is she what is she doing you know i want to see her and i literally got to see her in an incubator as they were running her and told me that she had to get to a specific children's hospital um, and I didn't, I didn't really see her. Which is so, so I, and a mom,
0: that's all you want. Is Right. And so immediately I was home. like,
2: I'm going home. Yeah. I, I got to go. I got to go. And they said, you won't make it to the parking lot. Sorry. And they said, you won't make it to the parking lot. You're, you'll die. You can't go yet. And I said, what do I have to do to get out of here? I'll, I'll go against medical. And they said, you will die. And I had to stay in the ICU um, and I finally get out. I'm, I'm in a wheelchair. I go stay beside her. Uh, we are there for months and months. She codes every day. She's having seizures every day. Finally, the neonatologist says well, we need to put in a tracheostomy, and we did. They was the hospital, did. so they put a trach in, and that stopped the coding. Thank God. But she has frontal lobe damage because of all of the coding that she experienced. And I stayed right by her side. And what's so horrible, Megan, is that the victims are the ones that go under the scrutiny. We're the ones interrogated. We're the ones who have to prove our point. And why did you make him mad? Why didn't you just do what he wanted? You know. And And now I talk about that all the time when I'm speaking because it just angers me because we haven't been able to be on a platform where we can give the resource and the evidence and the information to women so that they can be ready and that they can take care of themselves and their kids. Shout out to Claritin for
0: supporting this episode and providing us with samples this time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin-D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like... I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Is so is her disability w- was all caused by the abuse? Or was it just uh, from the explain that to my listeners and me and myself?
2: Uh, I would, say, I would say both. She came early. Uh, she could fit in my hand. She was tiny, tiny. And um, like I said, they said she wasn't going to make it. And she was born basically without a tongue. Uh, they said she never talked. She never eat. Um, I watched her go gray. Like she went gray at one time. And there was a resident there who I'm still really good friends with now. And they told him to call it. He said, I can't. I can't call it. And I like was on my knees and I was begging. I was like, take my soul. I don't care what you have to do. Please don't let my daughter die. I can't, I can't, I can't. And she came back and then they were like, you know, we need to have a, a meeting with the and pulmonologists and, you know, everybody with at the end of their name and they came back and said, well, we're going to have to trick her. And I was like, let's go like right now. Let's whatever we have to do. Let's go. And they had her in a medically induced coma. And so I sat there, scared to death, out of my mind, nobody, I had no one. And so I had my laptop, and I literally just started screaming in my laptop. I started writing in my laptop, because you can't stimulate her. And I'm just singing to her and reading to her, and, you know, and I'm just literally just yelling in my laptop that I was interrogated constantly. Who saw him break your nose? Who saw him take your shoulder out? And I'm like, who watches their surroundings when you're getting your face bashed in? Seriously.
0: It is it is so awful to know that another human being put first of all put your hands on somebody else and then the person that's physically assaulted or abused is not believed. And I right. do believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is just me in my opinion that men are always believed over women, like
2: Absolutely. especially, especially with
0: too. It seems like from what I understand, it's like, y- you're, you're, you're just a woman. Like, like it, I don't understand why it's like this and how much work we're in like the year 2022 that women are still going through this and they're still not believed. Like, what does somebody have to do? And then on top of it, like not being believed and not having somebody back you because they're in the... I've never heard that about the armed services and I don't want to like start drama or whatever. Actually, yes, I do because that's not okay. Uh, Well, and let
2: me tell you, I I went to see the advocacy team in the military and they took all down the information. They told me about something called the transitional compensation that they do to help the families. Um, they, they shocked me by telling me one in three military families are going through some sort of abuse uh, with the soldier. And I, I was just mortified by that number, one in three. And if that's what's reported, what isn't reported? You, you know, And the difference in, in myself, Megan, and let's just say Sally, Kim, or Sarah, is I had a thousand percent proof it wasn't a he said she said because of my background I literally had photographs I had medical statements I had sworn affidavits I had uh, medical records that coincided with the date of injury that's on the picture I mean it was just cut and dry it was never a question um there we have pictures where he strangled me and I, if you can imagine, which is, is horrible, you have like you have your hands, you know, and there was thumbprints here and hand, you know, hand, fingers here. Well, the military tried to say I did it. How do you strangle yourself? So I had an amazing individual with me helping me in law enforcement. And they said, if she strangled herself, how can she do that? it doesn't make sense. So they actually did something where they met, they took the picture and they measured the finger, the thumb and they enhanced it. And then the prints, they matched it to his and then somehow was something they were doing. And then you could see, and then I was like, how do you do this? The thumbs are here. I mean, you can't. And why, why? It's so stupid. Um, and not only that, but he admitted to everything he did. He admitted it. He bragged about it. So, so did, he,
0: so did he get away with it? And and yes. I know we're skipping ahead, but I'm just trying to understand you. You had your daughter. Yes. You got away from him. Did you end up pressing
2: charges? Like what happened? We ended up going home earlier than we expected. I wasn't at my strength level. I wanted to be at to get out. Um, my parents finally met my daughter after three plus months um, of my daughter being in the hospital. And they came in and I was like, this wouldn't look at them. I had old bruises on me. I don't know how they didn't. Helen Keller could have seen it on me. And finally, they, you know, they kind of were like kind of questioning it a little bit, but they ended up letting us go home, and this is going to be really hard. Um, she went home on an apnea machine, a pulse ox probe, all of these things for alarms, and I set the alarms very high, so if her, her oxygen started lower than, like, 85, it would let me know, even though that's okay if it dips for a minute, and... I had it set very low just I mean I'm, I'm sorry I had it set very high so that it wouldn't get very low and she was hooked up to a feeding tube to get her nutrients and I it was a big huge open room and I went to go wash the bag out and when I did I checked before and I made sure that she had all the alarms on and she did she had her apnea belt on she had her pulse ox probe on the machines were on I just walked 10 feet to go wash off the bag, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just like I'm talking to you, it's she's blue, just like that, like she's blue. And what I turn around, I immediately grab the phone. I felt like I was in some kind of like tunnel. I grab the phone, I call 911, and you do CPR on a tracheostomy person different. And so, I immediately start working, and then I hear something chambered at my head, and it was a gun. And I knew I couldn't get off the phone. And so I'm on the phone and I said, don't just stand there over me. Do something. Go." I mean, and and I'm doing and saying what I can. So the operators could kind of try to be like, man, there's something else going on. And I'm like, I need ambulance. I need paramedics. I need the police. Like I'm trying to convey Mm -hmm. to the operator and she's not getting it. Or she, maybe she did and she didn't say anything to me, but you know, she's trying to tell me how to do CPR and I'm like, ma'am, I can't do CPR that way because my daughter has a tracheostomy. Just stay on the line. Like, you know, and I'm just asking her to stay on the line. I'm trying every which way I possibly can to let her know that there's something else going on. And I'm like, could you go get the door, open the door, please don't just stand there. Don't just stand there. And And that's what I keep saying is don't just stand there. And you know, I'm like, our kid isn't breathing. She's blue. And and, and then I turn around. And I was like, why are the machines off? And I'm trying, Megan, so hard to get somebody on the other end of the phone to say. Wait, he had held a gun to your head while
0: you're trying to save her life and turned off the machines? He,
2: no. no. Okay. So the ambulance comes, scoops her up. I go with my daughter. And several hours later, he appears.
0: And the hospital. and But did how did you get him to take the gun away from your head while that was happening? The po- He didn't until the police showed up. The police showed up. Okay. I just wanted yeah. to make sure I clarify that.
2: Yeah. The police showed up. I knew if I'd gotten off the phone, he'd pull the trigger. Uh-huh. And so I went in the ambulance to the kid's hospital. <clears throat> Sorry. And when he showed up hours and hours later, he whispered to me that... Sorry, he whispered to me that he turned all the machines off and that he included her Drake. So he
0: had turned off the machines to try and kill her?
2: He he, Including the Drake means he put his finger on it until she stopped breathing.
0: Oh my God. I'm sorry. No, honey. It never gets
2: easier. I
0: I know, especially like when it's your, I'm a mom, I can't even imagine what you've gone he, through. Yeah.
2: And he put, he put the gun to my head because he told me he was so tired of all the attention I would give her and not him. And so if she wasn't in the picture anymore, maybe I would start giving him the attention that he thought he deserved. And what a monster,
0: what a horrible, horrible human being. I, I, I don't think I've heard something that's awful and I don't even know. So, so so what, so what ended up happening from there?
2: Um, I called his command and while I was trying to dial the phone, he told me that he had already called them and they were on their way. And I told them what he said he did. And they looked at me and basically were like, he told us that he didn't want her to suffer.
0: (laughs) And they already knew.
2: Yeah. And, I screamed to get out, and I just, I lost, I did, I screamed, and I just protected her and stood in front of her and said, get out, you're not supposed to be here. Um, I kicked the military out, and we ended up back in the hospital for another three months. And it was during that time that I left. I fought to get the rights terminated from him. I got a temporary protective order. I got a restraining order. I hired a guardian ad litem. Um, the little butt even tried to fake a DNA test on her, like he tried to get someone else to say they were him so he wouldn't be the dad. Um, and of course it didn't work because they make you show ID and the person who did it wrote in the report that the place was just absolutely unlivable. It was disgusting. You know, he had women there and blah, blah, blah. He brought his girlfriend to the TPO hearing. Um, he sounds
0: like was, a real class act. There's right. a special place for him and downstairs, which I'm
2: sure. Every, well, you, I, I, found, I found out with the guardian at light and after they started investigating yeah. that um, I wasn't his first wife. Um, and, you know, I, I was the third and that the scars he had told me that he had from being overseas were not, they were defense wounds from, and, and I don't remember which one. So you have to forgive any one of the wives, self-defense against him when he put a gun in her head. um, And she, she went after him and stabbed him in defense. And so, okay, so
0: I just need to tell you something. You are like, when we start before I even met you and I knew your bio and like, I, I just need to tell you like, sometimes you meet people in life and you're just like, you go through these horrible things. Right. And you're like, well, why do you have to go through something that horrible, but you're a survivor. Like there's a reason as horrible as all these things that you went through are what an amazing mom you are. And like oh, that you're you. so strong that you freaking got away. Like you got away. You did it. Like you are strong. Thanks. And I know I don't know you, <laughs> and I always sound weird when I say these kinds of things. But like you are definitely like an inspiration to me. Thank um, you. And you're an ins- I know because I know that I have friends and um, a dear friend of mine that will think that you're an inspiration when she hears this. And if I have listeners out there that are going through something where another human being is putting their hands on you. What tell t- tell my listeners that might be in a situation like this some of the things that they can do.
2: I, I I'm in the process of several things. First of all, <clears throat> there are ways to help you can get out. The average woman returns several times. And mm-hmm. it's not because of reasons that people think, it is because of the fact that they don't have a hardcore, ready-to-go escape plan. And because they don't have everything in order, they have no choice but to return. And that's why a lot of women go back. Um, I tried to leave the first time, and look what happened. I didn't have my ducks in a row. I didn't have my stuff together. When I had it together, I was gone, I, I and I didn't go back. That was it. Are you, so did you
0: you have to go into hiding. Did you end up going into like? Because you said in the beginning that you need you can you are in an uh, undisclosed uh, location and you had to change your name. Can you tell me about that?
2: Um, I went into hi- the hospital. Really stepped up, and what's so scary, Megan, is that they're they were so good at it. Because they do it so often. Um, They put my daughter and I in a special room that has two doors. And the door is that if somebody... The unit we were on was locked, locked down, and they kept a security guard at the door. And that if somebody showed up, they had his picture at every entrance and at the nurse's station. So if you came to the unit, you buzzed in, and they said, you know, who are you here to see? And they would have his picture. And so... If he showed up or got in in any way, they would take us out of the back of the room because there was a separate door that took us behind the nurse's station. Also, they had her listed as a him with a completely different name that wasn't even an American name and said that he was contagious and had to be fully gowned to enter the room. And we kept the door shut and the blinds pulled at all times. So you couldn't see us. And I had any idea. And they were so thorough and protective. So about this our security.
0: is this is something common that hospitals see that you would never imagine. Do you know some the children, of the do you know some of the statistics on on like domestic violence and um abusers? Do you have any of the latest like information on how many people like get away from these situations? I know that you are very involved in this. I just am saying this, like if one, I have listeners, go ahead.
2: It's one in three are involved in some sort during their lifetime. Um, with the pandemic and everybody being a, a stay-in-place kind of thing, the numbers have risen. So, one I, in three women. Yes, and men get abused too. It's one in well, it used to be one in seven, and now I've heard it's one in five men.
0: Wow. Okay. So what are some, I hate to say tips, because it sounds so weird, but what are some tips or some things if you if you are in a situation for people, like women that might be listening or men that are in an abusive relationship, places that they can reach out to? Well, first,
2: my website, if you go to it, looks as though it's just basically right up front for special needs, and and you have to scroll down, but if you look at it, it says a contagious smile, and the beginning of it is all about the classes and the life skill classes that we teach, but you scroll down more and more, and it still looks on the URL if it's, you know, a contagious smile, but we offer um, plenty of resources. We have the phone number, address, and website for every coalition in the entire country, I have found a moving company in every state that will move you for free. Um, I give lots of tips on what you can do in the interim as well as when you first get out. I also have free support groups. I have free um, social groups so that you're in there. Sorry, my hearing aid is coming out. Um, Free social groups that you're in there with each other and you can lean on one another. It's a non-judgmental, non-bullying environment. So you're safe and you can talk freely and openly and, and just feel like you actually matter. Because when you're going through this, you feel like you are worthless, like you don't deserve anything. Because you hear something every single day, maybe time and time again, you begin to believe it. Like You're worthless. I mean, he used to tell me all the time, you're so hideous and unattractive and ugly. Nobody's ever going to want to be with you. You are just nothing. People feel sorry for me that I'm with you. And, you know, when I talk to women, I tell them all the time, that's absolutely not true. And I've had family members stand up and say, well, they stayed. Well, yes. And and here's the thing. And and women need the strength. And here's the thing I said to that lady. I said, "I, I hate that you said that, but I'm glad you did so that I can say what I want to say about it. Instead of literally hurting us while we're at our lowest, why don't you support us? Lend us an ear, give us a shoulder, hold our hand, or better yet, just sit with us. Just sit with us. If we aren't ready to talk, just let us know we have someone there. Just sit with us. You don't have to, nothing. Just be in the room with us and let us know we matter. Offer support. Offer for us to come stay with you. You know, do something besides hurt the situation more because we don't need to be hurt anymore because these people who are like, you stayed, you deserved it, you deserved everything you got. I heard all of that. Well, offer some sort of support. I mean, offer the ability to help. I mean, my parents didn't let me move back in with them. That was a challenge. But the point is, is that you you need to say, hey, you are strong. You survived him. You survived everywhere you've gotten to this point. And you know what, Megan? Everybody has a bad day. And I said to that lady, I said, on your worst day, somebody cut you off. Somebody spilled your drink on you. Whatever the case may be, every single person, no one's perfect. I'm not, you're not, no one is. Everybody has a bad day. And when they have a bad day, I want you to imagine that it's your worst day ever. Don't even hold yourself near what this sweet lady beside you has been through. And on that horrible, horrible bad day, I want you to imagine anyone that means anything to you is making you feel a million times worse. And then you tell me how you feel. Do you want the support? Or do you want him to keep belittling you? Because that's what you're doing to her. And it's like an epiphany at that point. That they realize, maybe I'm, I'm seeing it that way. You need to have an escape plan. You need to start getting proof. Because it is. It's more than a he said, she said. It is. Especially if you're in a uniform. And that's horrible. You know, we are women. We are strong. We can survive it. I literally, I was stabbed a dozen times. I've had so many surgeries. I'm like the bionic woman. I have so much metal everywhere. I'm partially paralyzed. But you know what? I get up every day and I get to see the most beautiful gift I've ever been given. And that is my child, my child, my child. And while all this was going on, I fought the military. I fought for the rights to be terminated. I went through a divorce. I went through watching everything she was going through. I gave up my career and focused on making her thrive and survive. And that's what we did. And you can get through it. You can do
0: it. Can I ask you a question? How, how is she doing today? And how can you tell me her age?
2: She, she's a teenager. Okay. Um, She is amazing. She's beautiful. They've actually done a story on her Um, and it's been all over the TV. It's been on the news. She's been on the radio. Uh, She has, the, the most giving, beautiful heart you've ever met. The hospital actually has her come in and advocate and talk to other families. Megan, when she was four years old, you know, without a tongue, she can't really talk. So the bilateral sounds that she'd have to make, she wasn't able to do. I started teaching her sign language very young. And so she was sitting with Santa. And I always translate behind her without her realizing what I was doing. You need a pencil. Why do you need a pencil? So that she didn't feel like nobody understands me.
1: Mm-hmm. So...
2: She was sitting with Santa, and she said, I want to give kids like me a Christmas. And so I put on a fundraiser that year, and we started that year when she was four, and we have raised between 250 to 400 toys every single year since. And we get all of her therapists, her feeding, speech, occupational. We get all the therapists together, and they get little red wagons, and we go to the chronic facilities because the hospitals are taken care of, and we go and give those kids christmas and she'll walk in and say oh miss megan hi we wanted to give you a christmas present would you pick one out well if your brother or sister were in the room she'd say you know um megan is really sorry she didn't get to wrap your present but she wants you to pick one out too and she'd give one to the siblings and every year we say is there anything here you want nope i got what i want and that's what she does and she still is helping she's involved um in the summer camp we're about to do for other special needs kids she will walk up to you and just lighten your day. I mean, her spirit is so powerful that she literally will just make you forget about any and everything that you've got going
0: on. Guess what? She's just like her mom. That must no. make me feel pretty special. I love, I love to, before we close, I could talk to you, do a whole nother episode about all the stuff that you do for special needs. Um, where can where can my listeners find you so your website and your Facebook tell me tell me my listeners and me where everyone can find you
2: we are at um, www.acontagioussmile.com when you go there you will get to talk to me you're not going to be talking to somebody else if you want to talk to me you'll talk to me Facebook is Facebook group is a contagious smile support group We vet you for your own security to make sure that you you are who you say you are. And that that might get frustrating, but it's to make sure you're safe and make sure you're not a man trying to find somebody in the group because I'm very Mm -hmm. protective of everybody in there. So that's um, the support group. We're on Instagram for Contagious Smile. We do YouTube videos. And I tell the women, even when they start to doubt where they are in this process, go listen to one of the videos. I do a showcase Sunday where I spotlight somebody and you can hear their story And you put it in your ears. Let your phone play it. Turn the screensaver off. Nobody will know what you're listening to and use it for your your growth. Use it for your strength at that moment. And you can hear those things. I also do my own podcast. And also, you know, I've been doing all this on my own with my own family's money doing this. And it's become to the point where, you know, it's, it's... completely costly we are now starting to do our own um we have built a kennel system in the back to start breeding and helping families of special needs get service dogs because there's a five-year wait so we do this at the exact like basic penny of what it costs we haven't been able to make it or we wouldn't and haven't made any money on it yet so that's been the really uh, challenging part of it um is doing it that way. I also offer legal preparation for documents and things like that online. And, um, my book who kicked first is on Amazon. What, what is the, can you repeat what the book's called?
0: Who kicked first, who kicked first. And what is your podcast called? A contagious smile, a contagious smile. Well, Victoria, um, you're pretty, I, I I don't, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm speechless. When you, when we chatted in the beginning, before I knew the whole story, you said to me, "I, I would like to be your friend." Sorry,
3: you're a really incredible person. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm thank you. I've been wiping like, my face the whole time. <laughs> I can stop it. <laughs> I really say, like I face. cry all the time on this podcast. It's kind of embarrassing, but like just meeting the most inspirational people like you and like what a fighter you are. I'm just, it literally makes like everything, all of these episodes and everything I do worth it because I hope that one person like is helped by your story. And I know what an amazing person you are. And I'm just honored to meet you. I'm honored to have you on this podcast. And I love that you're, you're helping other people with your story, that you've turned all of the pain and the horrible things that you went through into helping other people. And again, God, I wish I could sometimes get through these episodes without crying. I cry a lot. Um, but I'm just honored beyond honored to meet you. And I hope that my listeners realize like what a gift it is to be able to, to listen to this episode, listen to your courage, listen to your story. And in closing, I say every episode, be happy by making other people happy. And you are turning your pain and your story into making others happy. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much.